Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where you can hear about front of my topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today we'll be talking about free trade zones, taking a deeper look at their origins, their benefits, and to give you a better understanding of how they're used to keep duties low and the customs process simple. Another thing I'm particularly interested in is the influence FTZs have had over industries and the form of products we buy. So to talk more about this, I'm joined today by our regional FTZ manager for the Americas, Wendy Armbruster. Wendy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you. Good. Uh, first things first, let's get to know you a little bit more. Um, what's your journey been to get to this role? Uh, well, I've actually been in the industry for a long time. I mm-hmm. hate to say how long it's been. <laughs> <laughs> everyone does. Everyone Everyone I have on this show seems to not want to talk about their experience in tenure because it's it spans so many years, which is fantastic. But yeah, please go on. Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I actually have been in the industry for over 40 years. I'm a Mm. licensed customs broker. Mm -hmm. I've been with Expeditors for, this is my 25th year this year. So, um, yeah, so I've always been in the customs, uh, you know, activities and all of my roles. Mm -hmm. And recently, uh, I shouldn't say recently, but for the last 12 years, (laughs) I have actually spent doing just FTZ. Yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) Or Expeditors. So, Um, it's a pretty interesting thing. The Mm -hmm. cool thing about FTZs is that they certainly aren't boring. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Hence the 12 years that I've been doing it. And you seem to learn something new all the time. (laughs) I I, I feel like that kind of answers my question that I like to ask folks is why do you care about FTZs and and the work that you do? What, what kind of motivates you every day? Well, again, the great thing about FTZs is that they really help companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so our customers um, from, you know, an expediter's perspective, and mm-hmm. um, it helps customers to reduce costs um, and be able to save money, which then in the end kind of helps us out as consumers. Yeah. Um, but the important thing is, you know, to see if an FTZ is right for a specific company and whether they'll benefit from it. But, but there's definitely a lot of companies that use FTZs and get huge benefits from it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive into today's topic and start from the very, very top of it. Could you please explain to me, like I'm five years old here, what is an FTZ? Okay, I'll try to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, FTZ itself is actually an acronym, Mm -hmm. and it can mean a couple different things. But the most common term that is used is free trade zones. And that actually um, covers a lot of different programs that happen all over the, the globe, not really just in the United States. So they all may have different uh, names and, uh, you know, called different things. But FTZ is kind of that very high level thing that describes all these different programs that are available. Mm -hmm. But FTZs are offered typically by governments in in all countries directly or through designated parties. And it's intended to entice a company to set up their company and their operations in that country, Mm -hmm. um, which then, of course, helps that country. So because if you're going to open up a company in that country, you're typically going to use the country's local labor, for, labor force. Sure. So people from that country will be employed. It'll also help uh, usually to help use domestic products 
from that country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an economic type thing um, where they really want to draw these companies there and provide them incentives to be there in that country. And those incentives typically offer streamlined customs processes or a reduction or deferral of duty and taxes. And each country has its own rules okay. and regulations. Um, it's There's not like a single secret sauce recipe. <laughs> <laughs> if you do this, you mm-hmm. can be an FTZ anywhere. Right, that doesn't right. really exist. Each country has its own rules and regulations. And you have to find out what that is for that country and whether, you know, it's going to work for you. I mean, some countries, the program's very focused on just manufacturing incentives. Mm-hmm. We just want you to be doing manufacturing here. Sure. In other countries, you know, maybe it's about exporting from that country, producing things in that country, but you only get a benefit because you're going to export it from that country. Right, because you're taking advantage of the labor force that's there, or the materials and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've read that free trade zones actually began early in the times of the Phoenicians. <laughs> so it's really old. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the Romans even did it. Yeah, um, yeah. And their main purpose was for economic and political domination, wow. which ironically is what we do it for in today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's uh, not a new concept. <laughs> right, right. In context to the U.S., um, how did our free trade zone, or I, I, well, we refer to it as a foreign trade zone here, um, what's the history behind that? Yeah, and that's great. I'm impressed that you know that our program is called the Foreign Trade Zone Program. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they've actually been around for quite a while, not quite a century. Mm-hmm. Um, but or back centuries. In 19- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or centuries, that's for sure. Um, But back in 1930, there were a senator and a representative who decided to implement some trade policies to try and increase revenues. Mm. So that was their main, you know, reason for doing it. And it was Mm -hmm. called the the Smoot-Hawley Tariff, and it raised U.S. tariffs on over 20,000 imported products. Wow. So it affected a lot of companies. And they were actually the second highest tariff levels in U.S. history, and they were only exceeded by the tariffs of 1828, were much <laughs> higher. <laughs> and many historians and economists believe that this policy very backfired. I mean, sure. it, it, it really caused issues with our trading partners. They retaliated against us, mm-hmm. imposing higher taxes on us, reducing our exports, not accepting things that we wanted to export, and then also impact our own imports from those foreign countries that we needed. And so this act that they uh, put in, the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act, was considered a contributor to the Great Depression. Wow, okay. So very interesting. Yeah, thanks guys. (laughs) To know that, yes. (laughs) Yes, so in 1934, and while we were still in the midst of the Great Depression, Congress passed the Foreign Trade Zone Act. Mm -hmm. And again, it was intended uh, just like all the, the, you know, global programs are to help reduce duties, um, you know, de- deferral of duties and reduce those and encourage companies to stay here in the United States. Sure, sure. And of course, they wanted to try and reduce those effects of the Smoot-Hawley tariffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the main things that they wanted to reduce was to try and, again, get those companies to stay here in the U.S. and 
instead of sending it overseas. Right. So, and what's interesting is today we are living mm-hmm. <laughs> with all these uh, Trump trade remedies that have mm-hmm. come into place. Mm-hmm. We've increased taxes again, <laughs> mm. which are very similar to what the Smoot-Hawley taxes were. They may not be as far stretched mm-hmm. as the Smoot-Hawley taxes were, but they still, um, you know, raised duties 10 to 25 percent which, um, you know, again, hasn't really been seen for quite some time. Right, right. So the thing about the, the Foreign Trade Zone Act with those new Trump um, trade remedies is that there's certainly benefits that you can still get from the program. Mm-hmm. So such as if you're exporting to other countries, you don't have to pay those high duties. But there were other benefits to companies who were doing manufacturing here in the U.S., that those trade remedies actually impacted. Mm-hmm. So while we're trying to hurt other countries, we to some extent hurt our own people here in the United States. Yeah. Okay. With those wow. trade remedies. Sure. 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 Yeah. So, and that's not to say that there still weren't, you know, companies benefiting from FTZs. It's just that those trade remedies put a little bit of a wrinkle. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> For some. <Yeah. laughs> Uh, looking at you, you mentioned earlier that there is no governing board or, or uh, some kind of entity that kind of manages all these uh, these trade zones and, and keeps it some level of consistency. They're all kind of owned by their countries. How do the these trade zones kind of communicate with each other to keep the process, uh, the customs process, moving um, easily and fluidly between them? Each country again has their own rules and regulations. Sure. For how you can become an FTZ. Mm-hmm. And all of them do start with the government, you know, either a, a foreign government or the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. In the here in the U.S., um, which might it doesn't cover all of them, but just for a good example, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> is that any company in the U.S. can become an FTZ, mm. oh, no the matter where they. Oh, it's not a physical yes. location. The company itself becomes a So tra- it's the company itself gotcha, at okay. a physical address. Okay. So they okay. have a physical address. And so they own that company. They're either buying or leasing the land in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have the right to become an FTZ. Mm-hmm. But they have to be sponsored to become an FTZ. So even though they're the ones who become the FTZ, they, their project has to be sponsored and they're sponsored by an entity, which is called the grantee. Mm-hmm. And that grantee is given that right by the U.S. government, specifically okay. an entity called the FTZ board mm-hmm. in Washington. And so um, all states have them, all 50 states have a, one or more grantees that will sponsor a company's uh, project. And so they have service areas. So if you're in Detroit, there's uh, typically going to be a grantee mm-hmm. who can service Detroit and the surrounding metropolitan area. And then maybe in you know the west side of the state, there's another grantee that sponsors mm-hmm. that area. So different people, you know, can become an FTZ through the sponsorship with this entity who's been, again, approved through our government. Right. In other countries, it could be that you're working directly with the government to become that FTZ. So, so it's almost like you're like an extension of the government versus a partner with it or, or you're or you're just like an in, independent factor that more or less has a, the approval of the government. 
Yes. Yeah. I think that it's more the approval of the government gotcha. <laughs> to be able to do that. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, to do that process. When yeah. you talk about this, I'm thinking of three parties here. You know, we've got, um, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, we've got the, the country operating the FTZ or the uh, approving of the FTZs and, and making them. We've got the, the companies that are moving their goods within them and then customers that are purchasing those goods when they've kind of just been released into commerce. You've touched a little bit on it, but how do they all win? And alternatively, like what are the costs to all these benefits that uh, that we receive? For any country, you know, or the U.S., either the country wins or in this state, in the case of the U.S., our states may win, right? Mm-hmm. Which again is our government because they're drawing companies to their local area. And so the, you know, the jobs are there now to provide to the community. There's local products and materials that are being used. Right. The government or state is collecting taxes from those entities. Sure. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so they're benefiting by having companies be in their country or, or in their state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they get that benefit. Okay. And then the company is going to win and be because as an FTZ, they have a place that is offering them the ability to reduce certain duties that they would normally pay sure. by engaging in that activity. And then we, as the consumer, we actually get don't have to pay as much mm-hmm. for our products because the company has been able to reduce their costs. Are there any other that, parties then that, that, um, that we haven't covered then that, that also benefit from these kinds of things or that benefit from FTZs? Typically, it's those three parties. Yeah. It's the government, you know, whoever the company is, sure. and, and then us as the consumers. Gotcha. <laughs> where do uh, where do freight forwarders uh, and and you know like logistics partners, service providers, where do we fit into this uh, to this whole mix? Oh, that's true, and that's actually a great question, Chris. <laughs> um, because so um, companies who maybe don't make products. Mm-hmm can offer services through an FTZ to other companies mm-hmm. to, um, to take advantage of that rather than, so you think of very large companies, they're going to probably want to turn their facility into an FTZ, but a smaller company, it may be too expensive to do so. Um, and as an example, so there are a number of companies down along the Southern border mm-hmm. who use warehousing that where an, a third party is an FTZ mm-hmm. and they're supplying products to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to, and it could be made up of a bunch of um, many small companies. Again, it may not be worth it because the cost can be so high to set up an FTZ that they can't turn their own facility into an FTZ. It also could be geographic. Right, right, they, right. They just don't have a, a an office that close to the border. Right, right. So you can use a third party FTZ, which again is an FTZ. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they can, you know, offer services to those companies to then help ship them to Mexico through an FTZ so that they don't have to pay duties. Mm-hmm. Before we started doing this podcast, you know, I, I, I was, and, and still do with, aside from the pandemic, uh, I'm a videographer. So I've had the opportunity to go to, you know, various uh, expeditors warehouses and, and warehouses of our partners to see these FTZs in action. And I always see like a, a chain link fence around them. It's very like protected uh, kind of space. Mm-hmm. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, like uh, customs border patrol is there operating it or like TSA or 
some kind of government entity is is operating there and doing the scans and things like that. Could you talk a little bit more about that process and what what it's like for goods to flow through an FTZ like that? Yeah, so typically the FTZ is still going to be managed by a company, not the government. Sure. Like the TSA stuff has some other stuff that may need to have government officials there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get this approval to become an FTZ and then you're considered a bonded facility, mm-hmm. which the government has oversight over you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but they aren't typically there doing that work. Right. So okay. you as the company, it's your facility, it's your operations, you're providing the staff, mm-hmm. you're, you know, providing the people to manage that FTZ. Right. They're ensuring compliance essentially though. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha, exactly. Gotcha. And there's a whole list of things that you have to, with local customs, be approved for mm-hmm. and have to things you have to do to stay in compliance mm-hmm. because you are considered a bonded facility and customs will visit you. they will visit you and they don't have to tell you they're going to visit you they can just show up because they have this oversight over you so we've covered some history but i'm really curious about today what would you say is the current state of ftz's and how have they been impacted by the pandemic or i don't know other global events and market conditions well you know ironically we talked again the history lesson about them starting in 1934 sure And quite frankly, up until the 1970s, FTZs were very little used. In the 1970s, early 1970s, there was only 13 companies using FTZ. In the U.S. And you would, yes, in the U.S. And you would think that there would be many more companies. Yeah, absolutely. um, Using FTZ. Well, over time, you know, some of the legislation was changed to help manufacturers and distribution companies. Mm -hmm. And today, um, as of, you know, 2020, there's a little over 3,300 companies using FTZs, which still, in the grand scheme of things, (laughs) is not a big number. (laughs) (laughs) You would still think that there would be a lot more companies. But the thing is, is that FTZs are not necessarily a good fit for every company. And it's still very much considered a very niche market. Could you talk about that? What makes for a good company or what makes an FTZ like the right thing for a company to do? I know you talked a little bit about size and things like mm-hmm. that, but what other, what other factors are there at play in order for a, an organization to consider becoming an FTZ? Yeah. And there, there's a, a list of things that you want to consider, sure. right. <laughs> obviously. And one of them is, you know, you have to be doing import activity. Mm-hmm from other countries and trade with other countries for something like this to make sense. And you have to be doing certain types of activities for it to make sense. So manufacturing is one of them. That's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons like automobile companies are very much into FTZs. Because we all know that our vehicle does not have only U.S. made parts in it. (laughs) (laughs) It would cost a lot more. (laughs) There's a lot more parts in it that are foreign, but they assemble them here in the U.S. And so by using that FTZ to manufacture that vehicle, there's benefits that they can get Mm -hmm. to, to lower, again, lower the cost because they'll pay less duties in the FTZ. Um, pharmaceutical companies too, a lot of them, well, pretty much all of them, <laughs> if they have locations here in the United States are FTZs oh, okay. because they can import, you know, 
liquids and powders into the U.S., manufacture them into a tablet or a capsule. Right. And while that raw component that made up or pieces, you know, put together to make up that that particular medicine um, could be uh, duty or carry a duty rate. Once they make it into a tablet, it's now duty free so they can eliminate those duties altogether. Wow. So the F, the the benefits of FTZ have more or less played a factor in kind of like how we receive our med- medications. I know that sounds kind of like conspiracy theory here, and yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but 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 it makes sense though. If if you if that's the if that's the form that that allows for uh, goods or goods to move, you know, duty free, um, why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And so so again, the company itself has to be doing certain types of activity mm-hmm. for it to make sense. I mean, oil refineries are FTZs. And if the oil's flowing through the pipeline from one country to another. Yeah. So if it comes in, you know, from Mexico to the US, it's flowing through a pipeline or mm-hmm. possibly, you know, under the ocean drilling in international waters. Sure. But that oil coming into the US would normally, you know, carry a duty of some sort. By doing the pipelines and doing it in FTZ, there's ways that they can reduce those costs mm-hmm. because they're an FTZ. Right. The organization that is doing the drilling, that is now their 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 resources, the, the raw resources that they're pulling are protected from duties because they are the ones who are mining it themselves. Correct. Fascinating. Yeah. That's super, yeah. super cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what yeah. other benefits would you say have come out uh, in FTZs? What are, I guess, what are like the kind of uh, the hidden or like the the, I never would have thought that that was the way it was done when it comes to FTZs. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's really some interesting stuff again with FTZs. And when I first started doing FTZs, of course I thought you can do that in an FTZ. (laughs) And then I thought, is that legal? And and ironically it, it all is. So, Mm. so it is very interesting. I mean, so, so companies operating in FTZ can benefit by reducing this merchandise processing fee by filing weekly entries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say someone imports, they, they're flying um, their freight in because it's, it's got to get here so that yeah. they can supply it to their customers. And maybe they fly in five days a week. Those five days a week, they're paying a very um, high fee of like $528. Mm-hmm. If they put those shipments through an FTZ, they would only have to pay the $528 once instead wow. of five times. Right, right. So for some companies who are literally bringing in hundreds and hundreds of containers, mm-hmm. they're paying this high merchandise processing fees. And by filing weekly entries in a zone, they can re- greatly reduce that wow. fee. I mean, there are some companies save a, a huge amount of money on that fee, that particular benefit alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, other things that you can do in a zone is, um, be, again, you don't pay duties in, a, in an FTZ until mm-hmm. it actually leaves. Right, right, right. So it, cons- it goes out for purchase, you know, into yes. commerce and stuff, right? Yes. And while it's in the FTZ, it's technically not in the commerce. Right. <laughs> it's in, <laughs> so it's that's in limbo can, state. <laughs> exactly. So you can do stuff to, to the goods. So, so let's say you, you, you received a whole shipment and it maybe came over on the ocean and there was a hole in the container and it's apparel oh. and all the goods got soaking wet. Yeah, yeah. You can't sell them. So you do have an option. You could return them back to the vendor mm-hmm. and 
you know, again, you wouldn't have to pay duty on it because you could export it from the FTZ mm-hmm. or you could destroy them mm-hmm. in the FTZ. So that's another benefit of an FTZ because the goods never come into the commerce. They could they could cut them up and shred them and throw them in the trash. They could put mm-hmm. them in an incinerator. Um, but that's another benefit of being in an FTZ. Some companies, the parts um, become obsolete or have a shelf life. Sure. So it's only, you know, they can only sell it. It has to be 18 months from when it's manufactured. Mm-hmm. So again, in the zone, they can destroy it. Um, airlines, all the airlines do this where they supply our alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, airlines. Uh, yes. <laughs> so that while we're on those international flights, uh, we have something to keep us busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they can buy that alcohol locally, put it on international flights, and they don't have to pay excise taxes. Interesting. On those. And then there's other states that have inventory taxes mm-hmm. and there's a certain uh, pr- approval process through the FTZs that if you get this particular approval, you're not subject to that inventory tax, mm-hmm. which again can be very high. Now it's possible that the local state uh, entities, you know, like school, city, state, don't want to lose their money because <laughs> yeah. that's where a lot of the inventory tax goes and you may have to negotiate a, pay, um, a, a lesser payment mm-hmm. um, than what the inventory tax would have been. Um, but at least you get to eliminate uh, those duty and taxes. Um, and yet one, one other kind of interesting thing, it's one of the very first things I saw when I visited an FTZ during my first year Mm -hmm. was an FTZ who holds sugar and the sugar, (laughs) sugar is a quota item. So it can only come in during certain periods. And once that, once that quota is filled, you you can't bring it in anymore. So by holding it in an FTZ, you are, you got the sugar Mm -hmm. and they're in these ginormous bags (laughs) (laughs) and they're filled with sugar. They're sealed safe. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes. But as soon as the quota opens, they're filing entries. So this saves them on time significantly for transportation time, right? Not just the cost, but the time as well to, to meet that demand. Yes, because a lot of companies with quota, they're shipping across the ocean, hoping yeah. to get here in time for the quota to be open. Right. And it gets here and now the quota is full. Yeah, it takes a so month or something like something. that, right? <laughs> yes. Incredible. Yes. I did not know that. That's super cool. Yeah. <laughs> so there are. It's, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. FTZs it, are cool. <laughs> I just feel like there's so much out there, that, or at least around these FTZs, that, uh, that anyone can have questions about. If they wanted to learn more, uh, would they reach out to you? What's the best way to get into contact with you to uh, to talk more about these if people were interested? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I spend almost my entire day only talking about FTZs, and I love to do so. <laughs> but um, I can be reached by phone or email. Uh-huh. Um, my phone's 810-300-4212 mm-hmm. and wendy.armbrewster at expeditors.com. Fantastic. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for your time. This is fascinating to talk about and uh, really appreciate everything that you do. Thank you. This was great, Chris. Love talking about FTZs. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. 
And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Bye.